0: Hello there, and a very warm welcome to episode 54 of the Frantic Football Podcast on World Football Index. I'm Neil Shilat, and it's Monday again, which means I'm joined by Alex Barker. How are you, Alex? I'm very good. Things have things have
1: changed finally uh, in the last week. We can we can now stop being coy and
0: a reveal who oh, yes. work
1: in the Athletic. Yes.
0: Yes, big news. Big man, Alex, but he's still... He's still coming to the Fanatic Football Podcast, so we're delighted to have him. It's
1: still one of my favourite things, my man. It's still one
0: of my favourite things. And of course, big congrats to you, man. And yeah, absolute pleasure. And really excited to see what you do there. I'm sure, obviously, you'll do amazing stuff. And you've already started off on a great uh, great note. A lovely video from you there on uh, Caicedo and Chelsea with some stuff on Benfica, which is always lovely to see. Just about yes. avoided the Premier League sellout allegations. <laughs> <laughs> Just about indeed. But
1: yeah, thank yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate your support. Was speaking those, I'm sure there's some frantic few um full podcast listeners who sent their support as well. It was really overwhelming. So uh yeah, but that aside, I am ready to hear, Neil, about all things Molten football. Get into <laughs> it, please. I want to hear everything.
0: Uh, well, we'll start with some uh, slightly more popular international tournaments. Uh, we do have some league action. Uh, maybe not the molten League this time, but a molten player, yes. Uh, and of course, many more transfers along with that. So that's your agenda for today. Let's get started after this. We had two big finals uh, over the weekend in youth football, uh, two continental tournaments coming to a close. Uh, the f- first one was the under 21 Euros, uh, and that saw England beat Spain in the final to lift their first under 21 Euros title in 39 years since the 1980s. Uh, they t- took the lead right at the end of the first half after a free kick was deflected in by a player in the sort of the attacking wall a weird goal in itself uh, and then there was drama late in stoppage time when spain were given a fairly soft penalty by var i think you know it's always a case of them slowing down the replays and giving the freeze frame which makes things look much worse than they really are but either way they they got that penalty and i who abel ruiz stepped up to take it and james Trafford, the english goalkeeper made the save and saved the rebound so he went the whole tournament without conceding a single goal, so England keeping six clean sheets from six and winning uh, the under twenty one euros. Alex was watching them a fair bit, so and I hear he's got some interesting opinions. So let's hear them, Alex.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get a lot of dislike for what <laughs> I I think I think you might disagree with me here. I okay. so I think it was a a, a fun tournament. Um, as. The final was okay, but the final what it really sold to me is the same as the other games I watched, which was less than twenty five percent of these players will go on to live up to the hype they've created in this tournament if that. I think yes, it was fun to watch, but the final, but the quality of football was not good. it was it was fine. there was some, like fun players to watch like you can't really criticize James Trafford like it, the double save at the end was brilliant that like, i'm not gonna pretend otherwise but but anthony Gordon didn't get player of the tournament I, I confess i've not been watching him like i've not been watching every england game but the people being like oh now this is the proof like he's you know he's 100 million pound player like like it's a lot easier to look good in this tournament than it is in the top five league and i feel like it, some people need to regain sense of that uh but maybe I'm just being too bar
0: humbug. I don't know if you kind of agree or disagree. No, no, I see where you're coming from. And I think that is fair because Yeah, you're right. I mean most of these players aren't going to play for like the best teams, you know, in, in the best leagues. And I th- I mean obviously that's fine. And like that's not even possible, you know, because you have this tournament every two years and like if everyone in all of the teams there just enough space in those best club teams for all of them yeah. to play through their careers with them. So th- that's fine. Yeah, sometimes, I, yeah, you're probably right On social media, I think people do tend to overhype um, players uh, in these tournaments. But I, I, th- and yeah, I think the main point is it's really difficult to judge the level uh, of these players in this, like based on solely this tournament, because as you say, I mean, there's so many factors, right? And obviously, all these youth players, all the fact that they're playing for these. I mean, even in international football, it's hard to judge always how good someone is because, you know, they don't play with that team all the time. That's even more so the case in youth football when these guys, many of them, I mean, some of them come through sort of the generation, like the ranks together, like under 17, under 19, under 21, but some of them will... I mean, many of them will just be, you know, added in for this one might have not been there for the next one might have not been there for the last one might have even changed who they're representing. So it's, it's really tough. And I, I don't think this, I mean, you know, I mean, obviously, there are some times when someone absolutely lights it up, and is like, miles better than everyone else. And you're like, okay, yeah, that's a good player. But most of the time, I don't think you should really use this tournament or tournaments like this to read too much into how good players are. But rather, I mean, you can obviously look at them stylistically. And then if someone catches your eye, then it's just sort of an opportunity or an indication for you to take a closer look at them. Because obviously these guys, most of them are playing fairly regular senior minutes uh, with their clubs. So, yeah, I mean, I uh, I take your point. I
1: think that's a good way to round out in terms of like, a World Cup, you would take, like, with a World Cup, you'd view things very differently because tournament football, you know, Hammers, Rodriguez, so many different players have been signed off the back of World Cups and then not lived up to it. So you're right. You have that scrutiny with international tournaments, fill up with youth international tournaments, times it by two or three. And yeah, that that's, I think, what everyone needs to kind of keep in mind. You, you articulated my thoughts better than I did.
0: <laughs> uh, well. On that note then, let's go on to another U tournament. Uh, That's the under-23 AFCON. Uh, We had Morocco winning the final, beating Egypt 2-1 in extra time. Ultimately, Egypt took the lead in the first half, but then had a player sent off. Morocco scored the equalizer in the second half and won it in stoppage time. On the overall balance of things, I think that's fair. Morocco were the best side uh, in this tournament from what I've seen and from what I've Uh, read from people who've been watching it more closely than me and it's a couple of interesting points to note one if I'm not mistaken there's not a single player in this Morocco squad based in Morocco certainly not in the lineup that started the final which is quite interesting obviously this is the under 23 AFCON so many of these I mean almost all of the players have made their breakthrough in senior football but it's really interesting to see that no one in that Morocco lineup is based locally. There are a fair few in that Egypt side, but no one in Morocco. I think that tells you two things. One, about the quality of the Moroccan league, which is not quite up there uh, in Africa, especially you know throughout the league, as opposed to just some of the best teams. And also the quality of these Moroccan players, this new generation, which is Really, really impressive. Some real talents in there. Most notably, I'd say Belal El a fantastic player, and he he looked oh, good yes. in this tournament. So, that's, would it um, not
1: also be a, a point of I I mean I've not looked into it, but I'm going to imagine fifty percent of it, that Morocco team has grown up in France or Belgium.
0: Yeah, that that's also a fair point about the dual nationality. Uh, with yeah, as you say. A fair few of I, 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 are I, I,
1: I, what's his name? Zakaria Was he playing? In or was he too uh, old?
0: he certainly wasn't in the final. I don't think he was in the squad. So he's either too ah, old, or maybe because he's already playing for the national team, they didn't call him up. Possibly, Uh well, no. To be fair, they did call as a there. So yeah, that's not the reason, but possibly too old. Anyway. Uh, the other thing to mention was the third place playoff, which was an important match because it effectively served as uh, the qualifier for the Olympics. And it was Mali who won it. Uh, They were playing their first uh, knockout campaign. Uh, Obviously, the knockout starting in the semifinals here. So they did have to win this match. uh, And they did. So they'll be in uh, the Olympics uh, after winning on penalties uh, against Guinea, who I believe were making their uh, tournament debut. So that's that from the weekend in the uh, under 23 AFCON. Let's now go on to the CONCAF Gold Cup, where the quarterfinals uh, were played over the weekend. The big one, of course, uh, USA versus Canada. A pretty dramatic game. Ended 2 2, 1 1 at the end of normal time, and a couple more goals in extra time. And fairly late ones, too. Uh, it was uh, the USA who took the lead in the 88th minute, I believe. Through was it Brendan Vasquez uh, at his home stadium in Cincinnati? I mean, his club stadium, but then in stoppage time, uh, Stephen Vittoria equalized for Canada from the penalty spot. They took the lead in extra time, but conceded soon thereafter through an own goal. And so, we went off to penalties where Vittoria was among those who failed to score for Canada uh, as the US won 3 2. So, they advanced to the semi finals. Who else is there? Well, one of the teams are Jamaica, they beat. Guatemala one nil just about, and so they advanced to the semifinals. The other big result was uh, Panama putting four goals past Qatar, the uh, sort of the invited side here, and it's it's been quite a tournament for Qatar. Of course, the, the first games uh, for them under Carlos Queiroz's tenure, and I mean in international football we do see how quickly sort of uh, opinion can sway on teams or. Sort of you know the, the fan excitement or whatever can change because obviously they play so so less, and in 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 you know in streaks but not very regularly. So through this international break, you you take a look at how Qatar have been. The start was terrible, uh, with that loss to Haiti, uh, and followed by a draw against Honduras again, not too positive, um, and so you know people are already questioning how how good Kerosh's appointment might be. And then there was that really gritty 1-0 win over Mexico to get through in the group. And then people were like, okay, they've got it. They're playing the Kerosh way now. They know what it's about. And then they immediately go on to concede four against Panama. So it's, it's an interesting one and probably not the best way for Qatar to prepare for uh, the upcoming Asia Cup, which is obviously going to be uh, the bigger tournament uh, for them. And the last uh, of the quarterfinals, uh, Mexico beating Costa Rica as you'd expect. 2-0 in that one. So that sets us up for our semifinals. It's the US against Panama and Jamaica against Mexico uh, later this week. So that is that from the Gold Cup. Uh, Let's now go on to some league action. Let's start in Brazil where the big story is Botafogo having a managerial change. Claudio Kakaba has taken over the league leaders and... They don't seem to be slowing down. They have won yet again, uh, this time beating Grameo 2-0 to extend their lead now to 10 points at the top of the table with 14 games. Remember, they haven't won the title since 1995. So if they pull this... And they were in the second division as recently as two years ago. So if they pull this off, this would be quite a story, especially after losing their manager to... uh, well, to El Hilal, was it, who uh, have have now signed, uh, oh God, I forgot his name. How did I forget his name? Let me quickly think. Who have signed, okay, I will quickly look this up. But anyway, the big story is Borja Fogo, uh, really impressive in Brazil. And also, of course, uh, advancing in the Sudamericana, Copa Sudamericana group. So, a really, really impressive season so far. For Botafogo. Let's see how they, if rather they can keep this up. Of course, the likes of Flamengo, uh, Palmeiras, Fluminense to an extent in the chasing pack. So let's see if they can hold off that charge as we just passed about a third of the way in the league season. And the previous manager, of course, was Luis Castro, who I, I forgot, but he's now at El Nasser, I should correct as well, not El Hilal. Right. Let's go next to Sweden, where we have surprise league leaders as well. It's not Malmo, it's not defending champions Heken, it's not one of the big Stockholm clubs, it's Elfsburg. They have just taken over the lead ahead of Malmo with a 4-0 win over Kalmar because uh, Malmo suffered a fairly shock, a fairly unexpected defeat to Mielby. So uh, with 14 games played, which is close to the halfway point of the season, it's elsberg who are leading. I've watched some of their recent games, uh, some fairly impressive stuff from them, some nice football. Uh, Jimmy Tellin uh, has been in charge of them for a fair few years. And they have been relatively consistent in finishing uh, in the top half of the table and even challenging the, the top four, top five. So I think it's, you know, they're building on success, really. And obviously the standout uh, for them this season has been their defence, conceding just 10 goals, but they have also scored 34 in 14 games. So really, at both ends, quite impressive uh, have uh, have been Alpsburg. And, well, there's a much closer tail race here. Uh, so let's see how this develops. But they definitely, I mean, leading at the halfway stage, so they definitely are contenders at the very least. They're looking for their first title uh, since 2012 in the league. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Right, let's quickly move over to uh, the USA to MLS, where we have a couple of big hitters, rather out of form, I mean, Inter-Miami, not really a big hitter, but they are on a club record 10-match winless run in the league, so uh, the likes of Messi and company will not be joining them at a great time, but a couple other teams not having a great time are, uh, well, Defending Champions, Los Angeles FC, who I fear haven't really recovered from their uh, CONCACAF Champions League final defeat. They're now four matches without a win in the league. And from their last 12, they've only won two. So they do need to rather uh, get their act together. Uh, They they are still third in the Western Conference, so not really time to hit the panic button. But, uh, well, they do need to start getting results. But uh, maybe time to hit the panic button. Uh, is for New York City FC who are down all the way in 13th in the Eastern Conference having won the league uh, or won MLS as recently as a couple of seasons ago and uh, made the playoffs of course last season but they're out of out of the playoff spots right now and they only have one win in their last 15 games so it's it's quite concerning they have drawn I mean they are unbeaten in their last eight but that includes seven draws so it's really not looking good and they have conceded some goals at fairly well inopportune times such as this, this weekend when they went a player up against the Columbus crew, scored the opener in the 75th minute but then conceded in stoppage time to again fail to win. So well, Nick Cushing has, has maintained his, his post through all this but I wonder how long he'll stay if results continue to trend this way. Right, that's that. Let's lastly head over to Saudi Arabia, uh, not to Saudi Arabia, to South Korea, where, I mean, Ulsan Hyundai are absolutely running away with the league. They have extended their lead this weekend as they faced second-place Bohang Steelers and beat them 1-0. So they're now 16 points clear with 21 games played. I will now look up what the K-League 1 points record is because these guys could break it uh, they currently have 53 from about 21 games. And so we're I mean, close to the halfway point season. And so let's see what, let me quickly find what the K-League 1 points record is. And let's see if Ulsan Hyundai have a realistic chance of breaking it. Because it's, I mean, I, I, I can't recall seeing such a dominant team in admittedly the few years. I have been uh, following the K-League. Right, and the last bit uh, of, uh, well, match stuff we have is uh, uh, in preparation of the Women's World Cup, we had a massive shock result where uh, Zambia beat Germany. So Germany, of course, heavily backed. I mean, European champion, or not European champions, European finalists rather, uh, and certainly one of the big hitters. So heavily backed against a Zambia side who... Are, I think making their tournament debut here. So definitely not a team you'd expect much of, but they beat them 3-2 in I mean, a friendly, but still uh, an important match to sort of warm yourself up for the World Cup. Uh, and so that was a great result for them, but some not so great news emerging thereafter. The Guardian uh, publishing an article detailing various allegations uh, against their head coach, including, those of sexual abuse so it sadly it is a common theme uh, among a fair few of the teams going to this world cup uh, and i mean I, I suppose it is a developing story so we'll see if the federation uh, do respond to those and perhaps fire him but uh, let's let's see where that goes all right let's move on now to transfers where we've had again a fair few uh, over the weekend Let's start uh, going to France. So, player leaving for France. That's uh, Teddy Toyma. He is leaving Union saint uh with the club he was captain of, uh, to join Stade Reims. Any thoughts on this one, Alex? Uh yes, Stade Reims.
1: How's an interesting way of pronouncing it? That's not the usual way I'll do it. Teddy Toyma. Um... Cool name, yeah. Yeah, Uh, I always say Rams. Um, Yeah, this is fun, isn't it? He's a bit older than I thought he was. I was checking his age early. He's 29.
0: Oh, he's 29. I think so.
1: Yeah, maybe we'll double check that live or no. But yeah. Oh, right. Okay. So I I can trust myself. Yes, he is 29. Alex, you do know your football. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, he's always, since USG kind of came to the fore, he's been sort of the main guy. Last season, he got. Twenty goals and assists. I think he does take set pieces, though. Yeah. Um. But he's like he's like the epitome of a football money ball signing. Like, <laughs> what Moulton came in for absolutely nothing. Um. It's been sold for free meal. <laughs> it's, it's it's just it, like it's great business from them. Um. Rems will be an interesting team to watch next season. They've lost Balogun, Um. And they tend to always have like one. Blowout striker, every year saves them. Last year was Balogun, year before TK, in the year, bef- well, year before that, slash year before that, was idea who went to VRL. So it's interesting, they spent quite a bit of money on a midfielder. Um. So I'll be interested to see who they bring it up front, because I think that'll be as key to success as Chouma and Rems, uh, as him himself.
0: Yeah, but a lovely player, as you say obviously, fair few goals and assists and with the set pieces that you rightly point out, but also just overall how he helps his side in possession with, like, ball progression and everything as well. So real, really, sort of, all-action midfielder. So, great signing for Ross. Uh, Let's move on next to, I'm sure, a player who we both highly rate, mm-hmm. Enzo Lefe. Moving to Ren. What are your thoughts on this one? Because I have some interesting ones.
1: Okay, well, I think it's, I mean... From a little bit of a bias perspective, I think this is a great win for Liga. Um, to keep a player of his talents in the league, that's fantastic. Uh, I think he's he's not got attitude problems, but I think he's had quite a difficult uh, life growing up. This is kind of more vague memories. Um, he had a quite a difficult upbringing. And maybe he's a little bit more of a spiky character, so maybe it's a reason he's not gone to the Premier League. This You th- might be able to confirm that. Um, I, I, I believe that's him off the pitch. On the pitch, though, he's superb. Um He's coming from Lorion and he's a bit of an interesting player in Zoe because he's typically played sort of a defensive midfielder um on paper and that is so he kind of picks up the ball in the first phase. Then he really excels kind of I'd say in the middle third of the pitch. Essentially he's a great passer. He's good at escaping pressure, but it's his passing that's sort of stunning, really. The, the I guess my problem with the move Neil is that Ren just keep buying lots of talented players, but they don't buy a talented manager, and they have a low ceiling with Bruno Ginesio. And maybe ends of the fame won't make huge steps forward in his career before he because he, leaving the club.
0: Yeah, one thing I'd say about Genesio is he his tactics are throw on as many midfielders as possible on the pitch and see what happens. So from that point of view, it's a good one for Lefebvre. But I think honestly, he could have stepped up to. I mean, as you say, it's great for Liga to keep him, but I think he could have stepped up to a slightly higher level club. I'm thinking like sort of lower Champions League level or maybe Europa League contender or like what three, pot four Champions League. And that maybe even in France, like Marseille, I would see it. But obviously, I think there are links to Dortmund, which I think would make sense, you know, because cause Rennes is again for young players seen as a sort of a club where you can you know excel and then take a step up from and I think Lefe has already done that at Lorient like I think he's ready for that step up so yeah it's a, it's an interesting one but a, a good move for I mean in terms of player a good move for Ren. now let's see if they can use him properly uh, and get the best out of him right let's move on to another transfer in France Lee Kangin to PSG exciting move do you think
1: no, <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: that's BSG <laughs> <for> you. <laughs>
1: oh, yes, where's he going to play? Is he going to play right wing? Because then you know, one side you go on back, but the other side you got Lee hanging, uh, Lee, Lee Kang in. Who's you know, I saw him. I, I think you would have seen him more than me. I've seen him a couple of times in La Liga. Um, I think I've seen him more times actually. He was at Mallorca, right? Yeah, he's, like, he's a fine player. I wouldn't have him as PSG quality, So I assume he's like one for the future. But <laughs> like, look what happened to Fabienne and Carlos Soler last season, particularly Soler. Like, if he plays right wing, then I don't think PSG will have the best season ever. If he doesn't play right wing, I don't think he plays in midfield. It depends what Enrique hey, This is a, you know, it, it... for PSG, this move is likely, you know, win win. He ever does well or they don't care. For Lee kang I mean, it's a gamble in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I agree with you on that one. I, I mean, I, I don't think he's an exciting player. Ah, uh, but PSG, maybe too quick, too quick a step up. Uh, and as you say, because I, I mean, if I remember correctly, certainly at Mallorca, he generally played, I mean, they played 5 for one or so 5 or five three two, So he generally played like left winger slash left striker. And he, he did really well there. I mean, obviously, in a specific style of play, like very transition heavy. So uh, he stood out with like his his you you know running in transition, dribbling, ball carrying, all that. But like at PSG, I mean, as you say, Mbappe off the left. So I can't see him getting anywhere near that unless they you know shove Mbappe into striker, which he doesn't like reportedly. I don't know how he'll manage off the right. I think he played there sometimes for Valencia, but. I, I I, I, mean, certainly, based on last season, his best position is the left wing. And yeah, just generally, like, quality-wise, my old card to PSG is a big step up. So, yeah, well, let's see how it goes. Uh, right, let's move on now to a very interesting transfer, Noah Lang to PSV. What are your thoughts on that? I like this move.
1: Noah Lang, I, have you checked in with his statistics recently?
0: I haven't checked this statistics but i do remember this season he didn't play a lot so well wow.
1: uh, so this is this is the last time i checked him with him That um noah lang for anyone who doesn't know he was a he's been at a few clubs to be fair but a, yeah it's club Brucha. um yeah and i think fc20 before as oh, well for yeah.
0: so like yeah, yeah yeah half a season but during COVID, so he made seven appearances
1: yeah, this is what well, why I say a few clubs, because he was at Ajax on loan to Bruja, and then, yeah, it's confusing. Anyway, at Bruja, uh, I remember watching him 2021. Uh, it was excellent. Um, I think, yeah, would have been very early 20s at the time, like 20, 2021. And he was very two-footed, like, really quick, very dangerous in the box. And I don't know what happened. The second half of the season before last and the first half of the 22 23 season, just off a cliff, like absolutely nothing in his form. And that's why he didn't get a move last summer. I mean, it probably didn't help him. Made an, he joined in an anti Semitic chant with Club Bruper fans. I think it's about, might be about Anderlecht, uh, or another team, something like that. He doesn't seem like the best person off the pitch. You might remember he's Latan Ibrahimovic, like quotes, where he was like, you know, but okay, I don't want to misquote, him, to be fair, but he's a, a bit of a character, we'll put <laughs> it that way. Apparently, he was quite a fan of Scott Parker, who obviously took charge the second half of the season for a bit before getting sacked. But he finished the year on after, I think, maybe getting under three or four goals and assists combined in 2022, at least for this off. He finished the season on nine goals and seven assists um, and completing over two dribbles per night. Knee. So PSV have picked him up. He's 24 now, just turned 24, a lot older than I thought he was. But I think this is actually an interesting move. I know he's just got injured on his first training session, but
0: <laughs> which isn't great. But Good I, you know, I'm
1: happy. I'm happy to see him finally get a move.
0: Right? Yeah. Well, it's. I mean, you know, you mentioned about sort of his character. He, I do remember famously he had a falling out with Eric Ten Hag, which is why he left Ajax. Mm-hmm. Uh. So that's something to note, and obviously he's going to pay a sort of their rivals. So yeah, but as, as you say, he has fallen off in Belgium a bit like when he first came in I think especially 2020-21 and in the second season as well he absolutely lit the league up and this season it didn't quite work out for him I do think there was some injury issue I also think there was a period when maybe under Rick probably when they didn't play basically with like pure wingers so it the system didn't really suit him um, yes, but...
1: I remember this actually. Yeah, I think it was the second half of you know, I said the and 22 season. But if I remember rightly, like he just had no place in the side, yeah. um, like he was shifted in up front and it didn't work at all. Uh, yeah, that is a good point to remember. Scene.
0: Yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's interesting how he does that. Basically, so of course, uh, interesting to see whether uh, Xavi Simons stays. I mean, I think both of them together would be great, but if he does leave, then Lang is. Sort of, maybe it's like a sort of replacement. And whatever happens, Ajax
1: PSV is going to be a lot more oh, fun yes. now.
0: Ajax
1: <laughs> <Most laughs> fans will despise him.
0: <laughs> Certainly. Well, so that's that's a lovely segue for our next transfer, which, I mean, there probably won't be derby matches unless someone gets promoted or relegated, but that is likely because uh, the move I'm talking about is Pepe to, uh to Valencia. So now this guy was. At uh Levante, who for the uninitiated are sort of the big rivals uh one of the big rivals for Valencia um and he signed something like what was termed like a lifetime contract. It was apparently a deal till like twenty thirty two and now uh at of course last season you'll recall Valencia just about stayed up in Liga uh Levante missed out on promotion by the narrowest of margins so they went to the playoffs were in the final it was nil-nil after 120 minutes of the second leg and then VAR got involved and then in the 129th minute they conceded the penalty which saw them not get promoted and now after that Pepelu now has signed for Valencia uh, their their big uh, local rivals. so I'm. I honestly, I don't know a lot about him. I haven't seen much about him. He's about 24, I think. Midfielder, left-side midfielder. A decent player, I suppose. But the big story, of course, is uh, him changing allegiances like that. So, I, if, if these two sides do come across each other, probably in the cup, that's certainly going to be something very interesting to watch out for. Right, let's go on now to uh, another transfer, Brendan Aronson uh, leaving Leeds United for Union Berlin. Thoughts on this one, Alex? Who oh, is a Premier League player?
1: Um, I'll, I'll, I'll be totally honest with you. Off camera, I was looking at my Nine Notes database, for sure anyone doesn't know. It's about a database of 100,000 words of wow. top five league football over the past three seasons. Uh, the last time I mentioned his name in any game I watched was when he was at RB Salzburg. Uh, just checked his it. stats. I'm not going to cheat and pretend so I've, I've, I've watched him. So I'm just going to say, he might be the only player who's played 36 times in the Premier League who I've not got a single thing to say about. <laughs> so this one's on you, my friend.
0: Oh, well, I think what I can say is uh, you'd probably be better looking at his time at Salzburg, really. Because, I mean, obviously in the Premier League, he was playing for the Leeds side that were not that great. Uh, didn't have a great... He obviously got delegated and managers changed and all that sort of stuff. And, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, the thing that probably most stood out about him was, like, his off-ball work rate, probably just because they defended so much. But, what, one goal, three assists is not... But this is the thing
1: as well, like, we're saying, uh, you could judge him from RB Salzburg. If you judge him at Leeds, like, these two teams play totally different football to Union exactly. and Berlin. Like, moving from RB Salzburg to Union Berlin is like moving from the US to the Soviet Union. Like, there's <laughs> nothing in common there. <laughs>
0: It but genuinely though, yeah, it is it. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, leads and union are, I mean, not even leads, but like leads under allardyce and union may be slightly similar in the sense that they'll def- have you know less than fifty percent possession usually. Um, so in that sense, Adamson's useful, I guess, with defensive work. But yeah, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I guess he's. He's a fairly talented player, I'm sure. Uh, certainly looked the part uh, when he came to an MLS. But, I I mean, obviously Salzburg was decent, but hasn't really properly, you know, shown in Europe. So, let's see how he goes. And obviously, he'll get the opportunity to play Champions League football. So, the stage is certainly there. Uh, let's see if he can take it. Right, uh, next one. Uh, Dedy Blind to Girona. Thoughts on this one, Alex.
1: Uh, yes. First of all, for a uh, talk about David Blind's stunning spell at Bayern Munich. If you're, uh, yes. <laughs> if, if, if you're a football team and Herona come in for your, your player, judge him like Brighton. Assume you're making a big mistake because Herona are a very smart team and they had a very good season last year. And I think that's the mistake. Of Bayern well, the, maybe it was a mistake for Bayern Munich to buy David Blind in the first place, or maybe it was a mistake to sell him. But, um either way, he made one start in the Bundesliga last year. He played a total of hundred and thirty one whole minutes. Wow I think it's really good um he, in fact he won three of the well in three of the games he played of the four um well sorry, in total rather uh in four games, his defense conceded uh seven goals, yikes. Uh, it's not great. Um, how old is thirty three years old? Yeah, yeah, it's football <laughs> size, of course. Uh, get out of my head. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's thirty three. I'm, I'll be excited to see what Kieran will do with him. Um, but it's just nice to see he's gonna start playing football again. Because my God, he's had a long holder.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think p- point to remember on us, they do cool stuff with their fullbacks. They do invert them. I think Blind would. I mean, he did certainly do very well. I act that way, so good move, okay. I guess. Let's see how it goes. All right, that's I think all for player transfers. Uh, we've got a couple of managers starting with uh, Slavin Bilic to Al Fade in the Saudi Pro League. So I think was it last week or a couple of weeks ago when we spoke about how at least I was not that impressed with the managerial quality. In the <laughs> uh, and so this is an interesting one to add. Al uh, Fateh now. They are... They're owned. not one of the teams owned by the the, no, the government, are they? No, I, I, that's the thing. I mean, okay. In fairness, most of the team... I mean, okay. So before this season, all of the teams were owned by the government. Now they've, quote, privatized it. But really, it's still owned by the government just through different subsidiaries. So obviously, you have this big four, which are owned by the PIF, which is sort of the direct, most direct link. But then there's many others, like there's I, f- I forget which, but I know there's one owned by Aramco down on the pyramid. There's one owned by Neom, which is the Line City project thing they're doing, and that's like the closest right. club to that. So they're still all realistically owned by the government. Like if you look
1: So if you're if you're the average, you know, billionaire Saudi Arabian oil baron. Slaven Bilic is the best you can afford. Is what you're trying to say.
0: <laughs> That's what we got from this. It's not even. If, it you, if you've
1: got that PIF backing, you can get Stephen Gerrard.
0: <laughs> but no, but he went to Al Shabab, right? Oh, and did he? Oh, okay. To, even they're not, they're not PIF backed. So,
1: uh now we're sensing a pattern here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the the point I'm trying to make here is El Fateh are like a mid-table side, like not really a relegation side. I mean, 7 Village is someone you generally associate with like relegation battles. Yeah. They're, you know, they're decent. I mean, they haven't finished, they finished like in the bottom, like bottom half, like once or twice in the last 10 years. So, they oh, finished 6 last year. So they're a pretty decent side. So, yeah, I think you can do better than Village, man. I mean, you've got a bunch of money. One well, no, I'd, I'd argue the opposite.
1: I'd, I'd argue if you're slapping bitch, you're going to Saudi Arabia with European experience. You want to be going for a top team. Oh, I'm yeah. actually, I, like. I I think both
0: sides could do better. <laughs> 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 uh, well, great deal then. Eh?
1: <laughs> yeah, both uh. both sides, but what's the what's the opposite of punching? Both sides are punching.
0: Below their weight, is that what you're trying to say?
1: Uh, above, yeah, below right. their weight, I guess that's the right I'm saying, yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> interesting, right? Uh, let, let's let's move on next to uh, the other manager we've got that's uh, Robert Willeham, if I'm saying that right. The Swedish manager, uh, who is last in charge of uh, I mean, most recently in charge of uh, Hecken, he's now off to Tottenham, uh, in the WSL, which is an, a very interesting move. Uh he's been quite impressive at uh Hicken. He got them to second in the league oh, in the last couple of seasons. Sorry, uh, you're saying is this a men's manager going over into the women's side? Oh no no no. That's that's Damal Swanskin. So he's oh, he, okay. in the women's, yeah. Uh so with Becca hecken I mean obviously the men's team won the league last season. And the women's team just about missed out, uh, finishing second. And this season, they've been very impressive as well. They look like they're going to win the the league. That's the Damalson going to be clear. The women's uh, top flight in Sweden. Uh, They're six points clear with 17 games played. So, a fair bit over the halfway point of the season. So... I mean, he's not leaving at the best time if he wants to win trophies because he's going to Tottenham, uh, but a, a, a great signing for Tottenham and the WSL, where uh, managerial quality is certainly going up, so that's a nice thing to see. Right, and the last bit we've got is, uh, I suppose, the biggest news from the week, which was, uh, from the weekend rather, which is uh, Megan Rapino announcing that she will retire at the end of... The season uh, in 2023, of course, we've got a calendar round season in the NWSL. So, well, I mean, first she'll be off to the World Cup. That'll be, I imagine, her last international tournament. Uh, And then at the end of the 2022-23 season in the WSL. So, no, sorry, at the end of the 23 season in WSL, the end of the year, she will retire. So, that'll, I think, be a decade complete for her at OL Reign. And, of course, almost a probably a decade and a half or maybe slightly more uh, with the U.S. national team. So uh, let's see if she can go out on a high in the World Cup. Uh, And then, of course, uh, in the league as well. I mean, I don't think we need to say anything about her as a player. One of the best both on and off the pitch. And I mean, definitely leaves with one of the best legacies in the game. So, yeah, all the best to her. Right, I think that's all we've got for today. Uh, what do we have in the week? We have those uh, Gold Cup knockouts. Oh, yes, we do have the Champions League and indeed Europa Conference League qualifiers getting underway. Alex, there are some lovely ties in this for us. Uh, let's look. let us let me look through and see what we've got. A couple of matches that i would be watching, uh, I mean, I'll try to watch anyway, uh, are Farul Constanza, Against uh, FC Sheriff, Farul Constanza, Romanian champions, really impressive side. Uh, and Sheriff, of course, Moldovan champions recently surprising everyone by making it to uh, the Champions League. Uh, mm. Was that one or two years ago? It's certainly very recently. Um, what else have we got? Uh, we obviously have a ton of Conference League qualifiers uh, with most teams you'd never have heard of. And oh yes, we do have uh, Shamrock Rovers against... Uh, Blik If I'm saying that right, that's one to watch because uh, I mean we had the preliminary round of the Champions League qualifiers with four teams, and Blik looked by far the best. Uh, the, the the Icelandic side. I don't think an Icelandic side has ever been in the Champions League. I wouldn't say they will make it this year either, but I think they might have a shot at you know dropping down into the Conference League. So. Uh, Let's see how they get on against Shamrock Rovers, who should hopefully give us a decent idea of where their overall level is at. So that is what we have coming up in the week. Uh, We'll be back, of course, on Friday to recap that and look ahead to the weekend. And then on Monday on the free feed. So I hope you can join us then. But thank you very much for listening now. Big thanks, of course, to you, Alex. And see you soon. Take care. See ya.